Well, if you would find 1 Peter chapter 4 in your New Testament, on your Bible app, or in your physical copy of God's Word this morning, 1 Peter 4 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. We are in week three of a series that we're calling Further Your Faith. The main question, question of this entire series is simple. It's what makes our faith grow? What makes your faith grow? That when we look at the life of another Christian, or even when you look at your own life, the details of your faith, who would we say is growing? And how do we grow? And there are several things that we can identify in our spiritual lives as we grow in our relationship with him. And so that's what this series is all about. We're in the third part. We have two more weeks to go as soon as we're done. But in part one, we started this, this teaching, this series from, from Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is finishing up his Sermon on the Mount, what we call it, the Sermon on the Mount. And he, he finishes this, this series of teachings with a challenge. For those who are listening, for those who would consider themselves followers, for those who are disciples, that they would hear his words, that they wouldn't just hear his words and, and lock them away inside of their mind or even in their heart, that they wouldn't just hear those things, but that they would hear his words and do them. And so we challenged you in week one to hear God's word and to do and apply God's word. And so we know that, that learning and knowing these things are so important, they're so vital, it's important to study our Bibles, but we are deceiving ourselves if we think that knowledge is the end of, of all of our goals and the end of our efforts, that we must put that knowledge into action. We, we want you to know truth. As your pastor, as a spiritual leader in this community, I want you to know truth. I want you to know it really well. But we want you to do something with it. You see, if we want our faith to grow, we have to do something with what we know. Last week, we saw that if we want our faith to grow, we have to develop spiritual habits. And we, we talked about this, this process of discipline of having spiritual disciplines and spiritual habits that, that you implement in your day-to-day -day life. Things like studying the Bible, where we read and we examine His Word, where we, we learn how to, to observe and interpret and apply His Word, and, and we memorize it and we meditate on it. We talked about uh, making prayer a habit. We looked at Matthew 6 and we talked about this idea of adoring His greatness and loving him, and honoring him, doing his will and not our will. We talked about the process of, of giving of our time and our, our talents and our treasures. We're going to talk more about that this morning. And we finished up last week with that challenge of worship. That worship is a part of our spiritual habits. That, that we live this, this lifestyle offering of worship and that we sing. And that we sing a new song to him. And so here in 1 Peter 4, Peter is, is challenging the church to pursue righteousness, to, to live the right way, to do what is right according to the, the words of Jesus. 
Some of the key themes that we see in 1 Peter are, are, are this, this, this theme of suffering, that when we follow Jesus and we, we live according to his will, that there will be suffering. It will come as a result. But he also challenges his readers and his listeners to watch out for sin and unrighteousness or godless activity. And this entire section of chapter 4 is, is really about stewardship. Or maybe it's, it could be said it's more about management. The management of God's grace and his blessings to us. And so here in, in 1 Peter 4, we're going to begin reading together in verse 7. And there's a lot that happens prior to this, but we're going to start reading in verse 7. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So do you want your life to matter? As I ask that question, I really want you to think about that. I would love if you would just write that down if you're taking notes or maybe if you use your phone and whatever it is you use, just write that question down. Do I want my life to matter? And I'm sure everyone in this room, and if you wouldn't answer it with an, an absolute yes, you're crazy. We all do. We want our lives to matter. You want your life to have meaning. You really want your life to have significance and purpose. And I can't think of anyone who would really say that they want to die never having impacted anyone or never being remembered for making a difference in the world. We want our lives to matter. It's the reason why so many of us do so many of the things that we do. We want our lives to matter. We chase a lot of really good things because we want to do things that matter, that make a difference. We, we join clubs. We, we, we donate to charity. We, we go after that promotion at work or that leadership position that we've always hoped for. Most parents want their kids to, to do something that matters, to, to have a future for their lives that, 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 that they can do something with. We want successful jobs and careers. We want to make money so that we can in, enjoy this life. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with being a person of influence or, or even having a boatload of money. I wish I had a boatload of money today. There's nothing wrong with those things. But if we, if we boil it down, the things that we have, the things that we, we get, it's not the things that make a change in the world. It's what we do with the money. It's what we do with the time. It's what we do with the influence. It's what we do with the gifts and the talents that God's given us that actually makes a difference. You see, we want to be a people 
And, and I say we because I, I truly believe that we all would agree that we want to be people who make a difference for the kingdom. That we truly want to be people of influence for the things that Jesus actually cares about. You see, because we serve Jesus, we get to serve the church, we get to serve one another. And you see that phrase popping up often in the book of 1 Peter. I mean, we, we, let's not even talk about the Gospels. This process of, of serving one another. Nancy Lee DeMoss said this, that we are never more like Jesus than when we serve. That there is no higher calling than to serve. And as we know, Jesus set the example in and we directly reflect him when we do. We know what Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says. It tells us that Jesus came to, to not to be served, but to serve and to give up his life as a ransom, as a sacrifice for so many, for others. When we shift our focus off of ourselves and, and on to others through this process of serving, we begin to see others as Jesus sees them. And we begin to do something different because when we serve, we look like Jesus. As Christ followers, we were actually made for so much more. Something better than just making a, a corporate name for ourselves. Or, or it, it, we're here for more than just notoriety, than recognition from someone in the public eye. We're here for so much more. And that seems to get lost in our culture, but it gets lost in the church world as well. Because we think that there's something else. But we all have talents. We all have personalities. We all have skills that are unique to us, that are unique to you, that are unique to me. And God gave us these skills to be used for his work, that when we are saved, when, when you call on Jesus to save you, when you surrender your heart, when you surrender your life, whatever, whatever re- uh, language you want to use there, when you give your life to Jesus, we are given spiritual gifts, ways that we can serve his kingdom and his purpose. Listen, everyone in the room today has at least one gift that they can use. Now, You may still need to discover what that gift is, but when we use that gift, we use it to serve the church, and it builds it up. It gets stronger. It it comes together, and, and at the end of it all, it makes an eternal difference because God says it does. Now, when it comes to serving, how does it make a difference? Because God could actually do all the things that we do way better than us So what's the purpose? If God could do all of the things, and he can, please hear that, God doesn't actually need you. God doesn't actually need me. But because of this relationship that I have, because of all that he has done for me, he invites me to be involved in his work. I want you to listen or read as they're on the screen once again to 1 Peter 4. Because he addresses the importance of our service. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. You should underline that. 
to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And it's to him who belongs all glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, every person has received a gift from God today. Now, don't overthink that, that word gift. I mean, you, and, and I think we get sidetracked sometimes with words like, like gift or giftings. You don't have to take an assessment or, or get a certificate to know what you're good at. Your gift may not even have a label attached to it. What are you good at? What do you enjoy? Or, or simply, what are you willing to do? A willingness to serve, a willingness to be involved is a tremendous gift in this culture. You see, all of those apply. And these gifts, they serve, they serve several different purposes. And we're going to talk about two this morning. We serve others, and by doing that, when we serve others, we, we serve God and that honors him. You see, serving is all for him, and it's not about us getting attention or us getting glory, but how does God receive glory when we serve him? Well, it's when we trade our desire to get all the attention and all of the, the glory for ourselves, and when we put on display the power of Christ to transform us. That's truly what serving is and what it's all about. And every believer should know that, that God gives us the ability and the strength to do what he asks us to do. You see, when we serve, we are a direct reflection of him. When we serve, when you serve and you point it all back to him, we look much different from what we see going on around us in most people and in the world. This truly means that we're not living for ourselves this means us clearly making it about something and, and truly someone else. You see, our serving, it puts on display a different name, a different person, and that person is Jesus. It shows others that he is why we serve, that he is why we get involved in the things that we we're getting involved in. It's, it's, it's Jesus who has ultimately changed us and changed our perspective and changed our desires and changed the direction of our life. In some way, our serving, it, it validates our faith for others to see. In Romans 12, Paul says that we should offer ourselves to him as an offering, that we should offer ourselves back, and in doing so, we actually bring him honor and we bring him glory. Giving ourselves to God is our spiritual act of worship. And because the Spirit of God is living in us, he's living in me, he's living in you, it's only reasonable that we serve him. He has served us, and we know this. He has served us, and he has given us a gift. And that is the gift of knowing him through Jesus. Knowing eternal life, having hope for heaven, and the constant presence of his spirit, and true purpose for living today. But this call to serve, it's nothing new. 
nor is the need for believers to choose to contribute to the things that God has asked us to contribute to, to contribute to their local body, to their local church. You see, we always need people to step up and serve, and and West Hill is no exception. You will not walk into any church unless they're dying and they have zero vision where they're not needing someone to step up and serve and be involved in kingdom work. And we need so many people in so many different areas in our church, and we always will, and we always have. And I've heard many times from people that it's frustrating to feel like that that you're being badgered and even guilted into serving. But I have to point out that if this wasn't something that church families struggled in, pastors wouldn't have to address it. And so we have to talk about it. You have to hear it. You have to to navigate this. And so, and so, with this sermon today, with this message that I'm giving, I don't, I don't want to guilt you today. I truly want to inspire you to be involved, to be a part of something that's not about you, that's not about your family, it's not about your reputation or your promotion. You see, this is part of being in a church family hearing about the struggles that we have and and being mature enough to receive it appropriately. And by that, I mean if you're you're already serving, serving, if you're giving back and you're contributing to this church body, that's awesome. And we want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for serving and being involved. We, We have many people serving in so many areas that we won't even let them know when we have holes in certain areas because they'll rush to fill fill them in. I mean, we have, we have people who are serving in three and four and sometimes five ministries. And when they hear of a need and they see a need that's been in the bulletin or on my WHBC for any amount of time, they're like, wait, if somebody's not going to do it, then I'm going to step up and do it because that's what, that's what somebody who, who loves Jesus is going to do. And we have to actually tell them no because we don't want them to burn out by doing too much. We actually do care about people. We care about your family. Plus, we trust that God's going to provide the people needed to do the ministries that we need to do. And when a ministry goes undone, sometimes it's because we don't have the people to serve in those ministries. But if you're serving, keep listening so that you can hear the benefits that God guarantees you, and so you stay motivated. And let me say this, there are benefits to serving. It's okay to hear that and to know that. Now, if you're not serving, or maybe you're just serving periodically, and you know you could fill in just a teensy, teensy, tiny bit more, then we pray that you're going to allow this teaching to sink in. And that you're not guilted this morning, but that you're inspired to get involved. Because here's what's true, and and, and we all know this. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not your Holy Spirit, so it's not my job to try to convict you. I simply want to share with you what God has said in his word about the subject and let you decide. And like I said before, most of us don't need to attend a class to know what we're good at. We already know what passions and and giftings are inside of us. We know what gets us energized and what needs we personally are equipped to fill. However, if you genuinely have no clue what you're good at or where you should serve the Lord in your, in your church, we'd be glad to provide you with resources to help you determine that. And we'll actually talk about that in just a few minutes. 
But let's just talk for just a second about excuses for not serving. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because you can fill in the blanks. But there are so many excuses for why we don't serve. Maybe it's not enough time in the schedule. We, we all have str- struggles there. Maybe we just have too many commitments. Or we just don't know where to serve. Or we're not sure how to serve. Or we're worried that we'll get asked to do too much. That's, those are real excuses. They, they do exist. And many times church leaders do get up and we will beg people to serve. And although that's necessary, many times we forget to communicate to you that there are blessings. And so that's what I want to do for just a moment. I don't want to manipulate you, but I want you to know that there truly are blessings when we serve. And I could be so bold to say that these blessings are probably better than any promotion that you'd ever get or a sign-on bonus at a Fortune 500 company, although I'd like that. But if we want our faith to grow, we have to be a servant. You see, we develop our spiritual gifts when we serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 reminds us that there are many parts to the body. The human body, as we know, has several different parts, and all of those parts perform different functions. The same thing is true in the local church, that that we do not all function with the same gifts. And so when we use our gifts, when we serve, when we serve, we then develop those specific gifts. And the church operates the same. These, These differences that we have are not always very useful on their own. But together, when we use the gifts that God has given us, they they create something amazing and something beautiful. Not everyone is a teacher. Not everyone has the gift of administration. Uh, You you, you may have the gift of hospitality. And so we we don't all function the same, but, but all things work together to develop us. So we develop our spiritual gifts when we serve. We see God work when we serve. These are all blessings that, that come from this process of serving. You see, we, 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 we develop those gifts that God has put inside of us, and then we simply get to sit back and witness what God does when we serve and we're involved in the work that he does. Just write down John chapter 2 in your notes. And read that sometime, because in John chapter 2, Jesus shows up in Canaan, and he shows up at a wedding. And and, and he's he's there at this wedding, and and something something significantly bad has taken place at this wedding. They have have ran out of wine. And and, in this culture, that was a big deal. This was super embarrassing to these people. They had run out of wine at this wedding. And so Jesus shows up, and I'd kind of like to know who this family was. I wish we had more details. But Jesus cared about that need. As small as we may think that is, that was a big deal. Jesus actually cared about it. He seemed to, to, to know this couple. He cared about this couple. And so he tells the servants that are there to go and fill the jars as full as they can, to fill them to the brim with water. And then he tells these, these, these servants to go serve it to the guests who are there. Now, listen, I don't know. I would be the guy in the corner like, who's this dude? And I'm not going to go fill this water jar. Who, does, who is this guy? 
Like, I, I mean, the faith that was needed just to go fill these jars, and maybe they just thought, oh, this, this is that dude that's like, he fixes all the problems, right? Hey, let's just put water in them, and when the people have complaints, we'll just say that's all we had. I mean, maybe that's what the guys were thinking, and uh, the guys and the gals around the room. I don't know. But they go and they fill the, 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 the jars to the brim with water, and when they serve it to the guests, it's wine. And I'm sure they were confused, but they acted on faith. You see, the guests who were at the wedding, they had no idea what happened. But the servants who were obedient, they were the ones that got to witness the miracle. You see, when we serve, we get to see things that no one else gets to see. You see, the guests never even knew what happened. They didn't even know that there was a problem, that there was an issue. You see, when we serve, the same things can happen. The things that we get to see God do when we serve is unlike anything that you get to see anywhere else. Let's just make the list. When we serve and we're involved in things that are kingdom-focused, we get to see people pass from death to life. What I mean by that is they get saved. They get reborn. They're, they're born again. They, they pass from death into life. They, they now have Jesus in their heart, in their life. They have a new focus. They have a new, new eternal destination. We get to see those things happen when we're involved in things that make a kingdom impact. When we serve, we get to see lives turned around. When you serve the process of making disciples, you get to see lives changed for the kingdom. It's God's work, we just get to witness it. We get to see friendships and, and, and families and marriages restored. There is no job that is insignificant in the church. Every one of you, no matter what you do in this building it, or outside of this building, it makes a difference. You see, we get to see God work when we serve. And, and some of us are so frustrated with our church or the church because we're not involved in anything where God's working. And so maybe you just need to serve so you can see God do something great. See, when we serve, and when we serve obediently, we experience joy. You see, because serving is, a, is truly a form of obedience, if you're reading your New Testament, you're reading what Jesus says, this is actually an issue of obedience, this process of serving. But obedience produces this thing that we're all, we all need more of. And that is joy. And we can expect joy when we serve. Acts 20, 35 says that, that we're actually blessed, which brings joy when we serve. As we read earlier in 1 Peter 4, when we use our gifts to serve others as God's faithful stewards, grace abounds. And, and so we, we first, we, we serve him to praise him, and then in turn, that produces joy. The church is united when we serve. This blessing is pretty simple. When we work together, we grow together. 
And this is how the church is supposed to function. It's God's plan and it's God's purpose. Hebrews 10 reminds us that we are to spur one another on to love and good deeds, even more as we see the end approaching. And so every day that we take forward is one day closer to the end of time when Jesus is gonna return or he's gonna call us home. And so every day we spur one another on to love and good deeds encouraging one another, it says. Ephesians 4 says that the church exists so that we are equipped and encouraged to do the work of the ministry. We work together in unity. There's nothing in that text about agreeing on all of our preferences and nuances. We serve a kingdom-focused agenda in unity. So our mission is to, is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We are on a mission to reach people who are far from God and to make disciples. That is our mission. We are to be unified around that mission. And so we're united when we serve the mission of Jesus. And our faith, it grows and it increases when we serve you see, if we want our faith to grow, we have to be a servant. Allowing God to work in and through us as we serve helps us draw closer to him. It can bring us encouragement personally. It can even, it can even bring healing to your heart. You see, as we encourage and as we pray for others and, and they find healing, as we see physical and spiritual needs being met for others, that encourages you, that encourages me, it encourages us. And God uses us witnessing these events to make an impact on our soul. I've seen this when people go away and they go on a mission trip. And maybe, maybe you've got a story that is similar, that when you go away on a mission trip, you've experienced that. You've experienced this, this increase in your faith that you have grown when, you have, when you've served. You actually feel in those moments like you've, you've received more than the people that you actually went to serve. It's because you're growing, because you're doing something with your faith. You see, our faith grows deeper. It actually builds the church when we serve. When we serve, our soul is filled. Now, I could point you to hundreds of studies and articles online that have been done on the effects of serving and what it does for the soul of a person, and you could Google that and read just as many as I have. Serving is good for our mind. Serving is good for our bodies. I've seen this, I've even personally seen serving make a difference in someone who is struggling with things like, like stress and depression. I've seen the person who suffers from great anxiety, I've seen their, their soul filled to the brim when they have taken their mind off of all of the things that they're anxious about or depressed about or that they wish would change and they involve themselves in something that had eternal significance attached to it. You see, when we serve, it builds up our hearts and it builds up our minds and it brings this thing called confidence. It fills us with energy. Now, now this research is not just a, a, a secular thing. We think the things we do, we feel the things we do because we're all made in the image of God. And so this is a biblical concept. 
When we invest in something that is greater than ourselves, when we make an eternal difference somewhere, we align our hearts with God's heart. And we shift our perspective from focusing on our own perspective and ourselves and onto him. You see, serving me the best distraction for our worries. Jesus said in John 4 that it was his soul's deepest desire to serve and do the will of the Father. That's the example. It's a high bar, but it's one that we are to reach for. But the reality is, as we've all heard it said, the Lord doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And the Bible is full of normal people just like you and just like me who had doubts, who had questions, who didn't have every answer, but they still went on to do great things and they went on to even change the course of history. Just think of people like Moses and David and Paul and Thomas and Peter. God can use all of us and we all have the time. You see, if we want our faith to grow, we have to be a servant. And the sad reality is when we, when we don't serve, the needs around us simply go unmet. But you might wonder what is actually needed and where can I serve? It's true, we all have passions and gifts, but we can't convince ourselves today that those areas of passion are the only areas that, that, that we need to serve. Yes, very often passion is extremely important, but passion is not required to be involved in something that has kingdom significance. Now, there are some areas where some of you, maybe you shouldn't serve. Maybe you shouldn't serve in children's ministry. And there's a lot of reasons why. You just, you love children, but you don't like them. Maybe that's you. So maybe you don't serve in, in, Hill, in Hill Kids. Maybe, maybe you, 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 know, you want to just grab the teenager by the ear instead of loving on them and listening to all of their concerns. Every parent says that. So maybe, maybe serving in Elevate's not where you need to go. I don't know. But there's some work maybe you should do in your heart. Maybe, maybe guest services is not the thing that you should do. Maybe, maybe your face doesn't communicate very often that you, you have joy. Work on that, but maybe, maybe we want someone who smiles. You know, working in guest services. You know, our guests, that's the, some of the first, you know, greeters. If you have resting grumpy face, maybe that's not where you should be. Just saying. But here's the deal. You don't have to have a burning passion to hold the door to hold the door. And I'm not saying this to minimize any of these positions because I got to be honest with you. Oh, one of the most important jobs in the building are those of you who work the doors. Because you are some of the first faces that a guest will see when they come in. People who come in who have lost loved ones, who are struggling with sickness, depression, anxiety, worry. Sometimes you're the first contact and your smiling face means the world to them. You see, it doesn't take a passion for holding doors to jump on that team and serve. It doesn't take a passion for coffee to pour coffee in disposable cups on Sunday morning. It, it doesn't take a passion for lights to work 
back in our sound booth and run lights or to run sound. Our church always has areas that need an additional person to simply just serve in. You see, it doesn't take a a special calling to stack chairs or some of the basic things that just need done at times in the church. You don't have to be supernaturally equipped to wipe down tables after a dinner. We can all just pitch in. Because when we pitch in and we, we do things, it matters. Here's the thing. Maybe the ministry that you used to serve in is gone. Maybe the ministry that you used to love that we no longer do, it's gone. And it may not come back. So where can you serve? Where else can you serve? My parents, they drove buses back in the late 80s and early 90s. There's not many bus ministries that still exist. They had to find somewhere else to serve. And they did. Your age is irrelevant to service today. You haven't put in your time. An eight-year-old and an 80-year-old all should serve. We have 10-year-olds who serve on the greeters team. Why can't you? Now, health may force you to change how and where you serve, but your service is necessary. Not just for for us, not just for me as a pastor, but for you. Because serving blesses your heart and your soul. You see, in a church our size, we— now, I'm going to say this, and this is, this is, this is never going to be different, okay? In a church our size, we shouldn't have to ask people who know and love Jesus to get involved. We should have a waiting list of people who we're trying to get plugged in. That's just the truth. That's just the reality. And so many of you are doing this. You're serving. And I want to thank you for the ways that you do. But I hope this message has encouraged you that there are blessings when we serve. That there is a reason for serving. But for those of you who do serve, you encourage me. I walk the hallways on Sunday mornings and I'm encouraged. My heart is overflowing with joy because you are serving. And I don't say that to guilt you. I want it to inspire you. In 2 Timothy, or 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you should read this sometime, but There's a whole list of reasons, a couple things I want to challenge you with as we finish our time together. Simply be willing. Just be willing to serve. Paul writes that it's because of their willingness to serve that matters. So be willing and be sacrificial. They gave as much as they were able to give. They gave beyond their ability. They were willing and they were sacrificial and they just gave themselves away. Was the church in Corinth a perfect church? Heavens no. They were probably the most messed up church in the New Testament. And they still served. And they still made a difference for the kingdom. You know, one of the highlights of my entire year this year has been when VBS came to a close and we just worked together as the body of Christ to get this place back and ready for Sunday hauling stuff to closets and sweeping floors and 
and we're still mad at whoever decided to do the big bombs of graffiti and stuff. I mean, I'm still upset at Tony's real upset. We haven't let that go. We're still praying about that. We've been finding glitter for like ever. But one of the highlights of 2021 has been that moment that nobody else knew about. And no one in this room knows the dozens of people who stayed and swept and cleaned and did work that mattered for the kingdom. You see, serving matters because God says it does. So what will you do? Will you continue to make excuses for why you don't serve and why you're not getting involved? Maybe you need to find a new ministry. We understand that that can be hard. But find somewhere else to serve. Maybe you're continuing to ignore the needs that we have and you can get involved. So take a moment and think about that. Consider where you are because it was never God's idea for us to sit in the corner or to sit in our seat and be served and become consumers. So in what areas are you contributing to your church today? In what areas are you contributing to kingdom impact in our community? In what areas are you serving? And what passions do you have that could be used to serve others? We'd love to see you get involved in what God's doing here. Because if we want our faith to grow, we have to be a servant. Now, I told you earlier that we had a little tool that we wanted to give you. And so if you, if you would like to maybe take a little spiritual gifts assessment or a test, we have one on mywhbc.com forward slash test that we would love for you to go. It could take anywhere from five to 20 minutes, depending on if you're an overanalyzer like me. You see a question and you're like, wait, how do they, do they want me to answer it this way or that way? Is it this? I don't know. Maybe that's you. So it could take 20 minutes. Or you could be just really quick. So it takes fives. I don't know, but you could go there and, and it kind of lists several different areas where you can just test your strengths, basically. And so my test, I was off the charts in hosp and, and not hospitality. Let me rephrase. My wife was off the charts in hospitality and a little lower on administration. I was not even on the chart in hospitality, but off the charts in administration. So I, I'm the guy that you, you kind of want in the background planning some stuff. I'm not the guy you want smiling at the door. So that's just, that's just an example of some of the ways and some of the things that the test can help you learn that may help you figure out where you best fit and what ministry you could best be suited for. And so go to mywhbc.com forward slash test, follow the instructions, and it can help you maybe. So thank you so much for listening today, for listening to me ramble for the last 40 minutes. I am grateful and thankful that I get to be your pastor. I'm thankful that we serve a kingdom-focused mission together here at West Hill. So be involved in those things this week and today. Leave the room today and find somewhere where you can serve next week and make a difference because there's a blessing when we serve. Let me pray for y'all. Heavenly Father, we're grateful and thankful for our time to gather together today. God, we're so thankful for the, the privilege that we have to sing songs that, that honor you and that lift you up. But, they're our offering of praise back to you. So God, I'm so thankful for the time that we've had to gather together to sing today, to hear your word taught in so many different places this morning. 
God, I'm thankful for every person who, who is involved in, in serving your mission here and through our church. So many people are. God, I pray that they'd be reminded today of the blessings that come from serving. God, I pray that if there's anyone in the room today who is not yet serving God, that they would be inspired to get involved in a, a work that is your work, a work that is out of this world, a work that matters for the kingdom. God, I'm so thankful that Jesus came to serve and not be served. I'm so thankful that he came to set an example of service and humility and sacrifice and ultimately surrender to you as his father. So God, I pray that we would be people who reflect the Savior and who live to imitate him daily. And it's in his precious name we pray today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. On your way out, the ushers are at the door. You can give there or online, and we will see you next Sunday.